believe we take the leadership role and don't understand the job description of the leadership role. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're, a, if you call yourself a leader and you, and you're, nobody's following you, you just somebody taking a walk. That's all you are. You are not a leader. Leaders inspire, leaders ignite. Leaders, I'm talking about put a fire under your pot. That's what leaders do. Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. You guys, we have a special guest today, and I am just so incredibly honored and privileged that she is going to be on the podcast today. She is an international educator, an empowerment speaker, a barber stylist, short hair specialist, holistic hair practitioner. She's the owner of Charlie's Angels Beauty Bar in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the co-owner of No Grease Barbershop Franchise. Welcome to the podcast, Angel Robinson. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. That was such a great introduction. I really appreciate you for that. Oh, absolutely. You know, you guys, I've been doing a lot of clubhouses lately. We've been talking about on the podcast. A lot of you guys have been joining me on Clubhouse. And this is where I was, this is where I found Angel. And she came up um, as a speaker on stage. And it was just like, after her speaking, the mic dropped. <laughs> everything that she had to say I was like I have to get her on the podcast you guys have to meet her I don't even know if you remember being up on stage and the different things that you were saying but you know you started out first with saying seek wise counsel that's right and I was just like so moved from the very beginning of the conversation that I was like your your energy your experience your passion we just got to know all about you. So Angel, I would love to open up this conversation and just getting to know a little bit more about you. Like, how did you get started into the beauty industry? Well, first and foremost, I am a fifth generation barber in my, my family. I don't know if you guys know um, the history of the beauty industry, especially for black and brown faces. It was created by a young lady named Anna Minerva Turnbull Malone. It was not created by Madam C.J. Walker. Madam C.J. Walker actually worked for Annie Minerva Turnbull Malone. And my great, great, great grandmother was her head assistant um, back in those times. And my grandmother had a daughter and her daughter was then 
as what they call hair washers, which what we call now is shampoo assistants. So that was my great, great, great grandmother's child. And then she in turn had a son, which was my grandfather. And my grandfather was a barber. And um, after that, my grandfather in turn had my uncle and I worked in his barbershop. So five generations, we're still in the beauty and barber industry going strong. And I'm happy that I have a torch that was passed down to me for me to carry. So we're here now with you <laughs> on this podcast. So that's how, I mean, to keep it short, that's how we, that's how I get started. I think a lot of people can relate to that as far as like somebody in their family was in the beauty industry. My grandpa was a barber right? Um, and I love seeing like the old signs that he had up in his barbershop. It was like five cents for haircuts, (laughs) (laughs) but I love that. So you are just keeping this generation of barbers in the family. Were you always passionate about barbering or how did that? Well, the reason why I am a barber is because uh, my uncle, he saw potential in me as a young, a young lady. I was more of a tomboy. So I love hanging around the men and I love being in a barbershop. My uncle had this brotherhood in the barbershop that I admired. He had a sacred handshake. When you were coming to the barbershop, he would shake everybody's hand and the people that worked for him, his staff members, same sacred handshake. And it was only done at my uncle's barbershop in Cleveland, Ohio. And I loved him for that. The communication, the systems that he had in place that he didn't even know that he had in place at the time. And as a young woman watching this, I would document everything, you know, because I loved my uncle. And the things that he, his business was not just a pillar in the community. His business was more like a church. People would seek him for help. You know, when you tie into my uncle barbershop, he would then in turn tie back into the community. And I loved my uncle for that. So I love what he was doing. He he was um, so instrumental to the community that he was in in Cleveland when my uncle passed away. When I tell you everybody and their mama came out um, to see him home. So yes, and I wanted to make sure that I carried that torch, such a heavy torch, I'm telling you some big shoes to feel, but I feel like my uncle will be proud of me right now. I'm sorry for your loss. And I, I, you know, there's definitely something to be said for the environment that a salon and a barbershop has, like the communication, the relationships that you build is just so much more beyond the hair. That's right. Um, and I think that, I mean, being very observant is probably what makes you really special right. of, of that you took note at a very young age of this is special, this is unique, and I want to be a part of it. Right, right. I took notice because um, the, my uncle's business was in a community that had a, that had a need, right? So if Miss Smith and her children didn't have clothes for the winter or didn't have food for Christmas, the barbershop would get together and do like, um, a charity event where they will put together, where they will feed Miss Smith family, where they will feed Miss Benjamin family down the street. Nobody went without because of those barber and beauty shops in our community. I miss that. We don't do that anymore. And because of my uncle, I'm able to like 
still pour into um, a multitude of people. Uh, two years ago in Charlotte, I won Sisterhood of the, um, the Year Award because oh of what we do for the women in our community, because we're using the beauty shop as the cornerstone, right? And that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a refuge for women and men to come to for us, not only to help them cosmetically, but I want their internal environment to look like I did for their external environment. And my uncle taught me that. Mm. I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, when people sit on our chair, the conversations that pour out of them of what they're wanting to share with us is just kind of like, you know, wow, she's seeking my help, or he's seeking my help with figuring out what next to do in life. You know, I'm very curious, you know, this, this modeling of what your uncle has instilled in you. Did you go out on your own and start a business? Did you, did you end up working for him? Or how did, how did your pursuit into being a barber kind of unfold with him? So what happened was um, when I went to barber college, my uncle transitioned before I graduated. So he wasn't able to even see me walk. Um, but the spirit of my uncle still lives because I allow him to, his spirit to live vicariously through me. <laughs> so yes, was my uncle able to see what he done? Yes, I believe he has. I believe that he continues to watch over me and guide me because there's decisions that I would, I angel would make, right? Versus decisions that my uncle would make. And I would just kind of pause before I make a decision in the beauty and barber industry, in my business, for other people, I always seek wise counsel. Like that pause is me seeking wise counsel. You know, I think a lot of things we're doing now in the beauty and barber industry is selfish. I remain selfless, you know, because I believe our job is to spotlight other people as leaders, as owners, as coaches. We are to spotlight our staff members. We are to spotlight the clients. The nowadays, the stylist, the barber has become the rock star. No, the client is the rock star. <laughs> and the reason why we wear black in the beauty industry is because we supposed to fall to the background and then be the canvas, right? And just be the background of the picture and the client supposed to be the person in the picture. So I, I and my business partners have brought that back to the industry. We, we glorify our clients and we glorify our staff members. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how we're supposed to build each other in the beauty and barber industry. We are not supposed to throw rocks and hide our hands. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, my uncle is definitely still guiding over me. What do you think shifted in the industry that caused stylists to spotlight stylists versus spotlighting clients? There was no torch created like there was one created for me. I felt like there's a link missing in the chain. So like the, maybe the baby boomer um, hairdressers didn't create anything for generation X hairdresser, hairdressers. And in turn, generation X isn't creating anything for the millennials and the millennials in turn won't create anything for generation Z. So it's up to us that's listening to your podcast. It's up to you and I to create these torches, to be passed down and to understand that this is not a marathon, this is a relay and we have to pass the baton. 
but a baton has to be created first, right? And that's up to us when you know, you know, and stop perpetuating that no one's out here to help you. You become the help, you know? Like sometimes you gotta be the anchor in your business or for someone else's business. I hope that our listeners right now are stopping to take notes because I am. You just have s- such wealth of knowledge and experience. It's it's just incredible that there's people like you who are creating that torch and passing the baton. Um, did you always know that that was the role that you wanted to fulfill? I always knew that um, I was a leader in my own rights. And I always know that you are a leader in your own rights as well. Like, I feel like when you recognize the gift in someone else, this is it's your job to expose that gift because sometimes they don't know. So when people will come into my business, I everybody in my business has a leader in their own, they are leaders in their own area of function. Meaning if like, for instance, China works in my business. The minute I met China, I noticed that she loved administrative work. Guess what? Angel does not do administrative work. China does. She is a leader in that area <laughs> of function. You know, so we have to recognize and not be intimidated by other people's light, by other people's gift, because that person is in your business to help your business shine, right? If you feel like a person is in your business to bring darkness, then why are they in your business? You know, I'm real big on cutting off the cancer so it does not corrode the entire body. I'm not the the owner that lets cancer come into my business and go throughout my business. No, you know, so we have as leaders, coaches and owners have to be able to recognize the gifts in other people and put them in place. Now, I don't have a partner in business. Right. But these people are partners in my business. (laughs) And that's what we need to realize. And a lot of leaders don't even know what's next, you know, like a lot of them are playing checker and I'm playing chess you know like I know my five next moves and a lot of leaders owners and coaches don't even understand their retirement plan like set your business up for retirement you know what that means that means putting everybody in your business in place to create residual income then you move from behind the chair put these people in place so now they can build and grow not only your business but their business you know, like I noticed when I gave everybody a leadership role, how my business just exploded. Because now I can do other things like work on my business instead of in my business, because everybody in my business has been put, my business has now been put on autopilot. A lot of leaders are helicopter leaders. They hover over their businesses. They want total control. And then the ones that want total control don't even understand how to dictate because they have too much control so that's where I am and that's what I want us to understand as owners leaders coaches you know stop being a boss you know (laughs) you know be a coach write out the play and let your people play it (laughs) I love I love the mindset shift that you're speaking of and that it really needs to be more implemented with more salon owners you know, I'm on this mission to decrease the statistic that 75% of salons fail within the first five years. And I think that it's starting from the top and that leadership role of, of not being able to really focus in on the future and 
and really be intentional and, and passionate about growing their people. Like why start a salon if it's not about the people that you wanted to really coach and train? I always tell my staff, like, I'm your biggest cheerleader and I'm your coach. The last thing I want to do is micromanage you because I just don't have time for that. You're an adult. You're a grown adult. Here's your goals. Let's get to it. You know, and I think by having that mindset shift and not feeling threatened by staff coming in, I, I think it, it's going to take time for for some of the people who are in that leadership position to pivot. You know, what what would you say to somebody who's listening to this podcast who is a salon leader or salon owner boss who needs to change their ways? The I can say. Um... The first thing that even for myself, because at some point in my career, I had got away from my uncle's training, right? Because I thought it was not a better way, but a different way. And if you don't have vision and you don't have a mission and you don't understand your core values for your business, first and foremost, your business will go nowhere. Um, one thing I, I learned about what my uncle had he had in place was he understood his vision, he understood his mission and his core values. So your vision is where you see your business eventually and where you see yourself, right? Your mission is, is the roadmap, it's the GPS to take you to where your vision wants you to go. And your core values is what sustains you along the way, right? And when you don't have those three things in place, you, you don't really understand your business. You don't have systems. And I know a lot of times as leaders, because we don't have systems, right? How do we, how do we play this game of being a boss or being a business owner if we don't have rules of engagement? You know, and I believe if they sit down and just sit back and look at their business, right? Because I had to sit down one day and I looked at my business and I seen that my business wasn't failing. I was failing my business. <laughs> and it's okay to get out of your own way. First step, get out of your own way, you know, and, and, and take full accountability for being the problem in your business. Because sometimes the leader is the problem. And I'm just being real because I was a leader that was the problem at one point in my career. And then when I sat back and was able to write down exactly where I want to see my business. And a lot of us don't have foresight, right? But is there someone in the industry that you see as an example of where you want to be like the, the Vidal Sassoon's, the Paul Mitchell's, you know, the Aveda concepts, like these are great leaders. These are great concepts. How did these people get there? Discipline, vision, <laughs> you know, and stay in the course, no matter what. The problem is too, we create this vision for our business and we derail somewhere. Somewhere somebody or something happens in the business and we derail and now we're off path and we never get back on path. So be clear as a leader, be clear. And if you're not clear, seek wise counsel. I can't say that enough. So powerful. I, I'm curious, you know, because you've gone past the point of, of seeing those challenges in your business, was there any like particular moment that you can think of where you're like, this ain't working and I got to do something to change. I, I'm, I keep, um, I read a book by uh, John Maxwell. Love um, John. Yeah. 
It was the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Yes. In a book, he talks about keeping a certain amount of change in your pocket. And at first I didn't get it. And then he said, keeping a certain amount of change, meaning that any, being a leader at any, at any opportunity that arises, that you have to keep that amount of change in your pocket because you might have to use it. You might have to change at that moment. Like you can't, sometimes you can't, you have to change in a moment, but some people are so stuck in their ways. Like, and, and we too, as leaders, and I'm gonna tell you what we do, we'll get a, turn, a turnover in our business, right? Turnover, a constant turnover, and we'll blame other people, but we don't see that we're the problem. So at some point, I was able to notice that the turnover rate in my business was just too high. And it made me realize that if every, the only thing these people got in common was me. <laughs> <laughs> and I shut my business down for two years. Oh, wow. Two years. And I sat down and I created a vision for my business, a vision for the people in my business, a vision for the clients of my business, and a vision for where the business will grow with me being in it and out of it. That's what I did. Ooh. So like I wrote a book where it said, serve my business, serve my staff, serve my clients. Mm. And I stuck to that. What was going through your mind during those two years of shutdown? Was it conflicting? Did you feel hyper-focused? I was, um, you know, I'm just going to be real. I went through a roller coaster of emotions. Like, like um, I, I think I was on a brink of depression when I closed the shop too, because I felt like, you know, you can get to a point where you feel like, you know, so much and you don't know why it's not working, right? And because I felt like I came from, good toolage you know I was I'm cut from this cloth I'm cream of the crop <laughs> and then you get to a point where because you deviated and thought you can do something different because that's what we do we we get a good plan and we want to implement our plan into this good plan and it doesn't work that way like when I went back to my foundation which was my uncle taking care of the people taking care of the community you know and taking care of the staff um, was when my business now thrives and grow. And how this is why we're a franchise now too, is because, uh, you know, in order to have a franchise, you have to have a franchise package. Well, I don't think a lot of people know, know that, that a franchise isn't as simple as just, oh, I'm just gonna open up multiple businesses and now I'm a franchise. No, if you wanna be a franchise, you have to buy a franchise package. And in the franchise package, it asks for systems, structure, protocol, and procedures. And if your business does not have any of those things, you cannot be a franchise. You know, so what my uncle had set me up for, not even knowing that in the, in the 80s, he was setting me up to be a franchise in the millennium. I was like, I wouldn't have never, ever, ever knew that my uncle was setting me up for my tomorrows. You know, and that's how come I say my uncle still lives vicariously through me because every time I think that I want to deviate from what I was taught, I, I got this moment where I feel like that ain't where I want to be, you know, and um, I just want everybody listening to understand that business is very challenging. That's, that's what it is. It's challenging. 
it's only hard when you don't have a plan, like when you don't have a vision. Everybody, even now, guys, my business is still challenging because I am learning. But is it hard? No, it's not. Do I feel burnt out? No, I do not because I have systems in place. You know, like I'm leaving Friday for five days to do a vacation. You know why I can leave for five days? Because my business is on autopilot because I have systems and I don't depend on people. I depend on systems now. The problem is, is the beauty and barber industry is a people-based business, not a system-based business. If we become more system-based, then we don't have to worry about our people because people that don't work within the system works outside of the system. That means you're not part of my business. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, so good. This is also good. I'm So during the two year of closing and really buckling down on creating these systems and structures, did you have already in your mind, I'm going to do this again and I'm going to go for the franchise? I didn't have, the franchise was not on a plate at the time. Um, when I sat down for those two years, um, it was a sabbatical. I took a sabbatical from being owner and I wanted to see it from a booth renter standpoint or a commission of salary standpoint. So I went in and worked in other people's businesses so I can see how it feels to be treated, right? Because when you teach, the best, the best teacher is experience. So I wanted to be able to speak to suite owners, booth renters, salaries, commissions. So before I can speak to that, I had to go experience that. So the reason why I speak so strongly now is because I am you. <laughs> I'm you, no matter what position you hold in the industry, I am an owner, I'm a commission stylist, I'm a booth renter. You, I'm, I hold all positions, I have worn all hats so I can speak to whatever you are. And I did that intentionally in those two years. So when I was writing, I was writing it, not speaking from, because we wear that boss hat so much where we don't even understand our staff members. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We forgot where we come from. Like, sis, you ain't always been an owner. <laughs> like, come on now. Like, don't forget you were that, that booth renter that was working in someone else's business and you saw something in that person that you wanted to share, but you didn't because of the way that person ran that business. We are, we don't speak out because we're afraid that the leader is going to be intimidated about our gifts. So don't forget that when you become a leader, allow your people to speak out, you know, like most owners don't even have an open door policy. I have open door policy. I also have something called meritocracy, right? So we have team meetings. At our team meetings, we have a, a, a special area that we call meritocracy where someone is able to bring their gift to the table and say, can we implement this in a salon? And then we all vote on it. It ain't about me saying, no, you can't do it because it's my business. No, we have a vote. And we say, all of us say, yes, that's a great idea. It's up to you now to execute that idea and put people in place. Now, as an owner, I don't have, I'm allowing you to move forward with your gift in this business because we all voted, yes, you can do it. But now if you don't follow through, now you know next time you come to the table, you will understand why we say no. So we give everybody that leeway, that right to exercise their gift in, under our roof 
because we don't want them to go somewhere else. We don't want them to, that, because, you know, we come up with these great ideas and say, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Or if he can do it, I can do it. You know, don't nobody know what no what we went through to get where we are. They just, we make it look so easy. They want to go open up their business and then they become the object of now everybody's whispering and talking about her or him. That's what we all do. Nobody opens up a business, you know, not, you know, nowadays when I was coming through the industry, it was, it was strictly passion, right? We opened up a business because we were passionate. We didn't open up businesses because we, we thought it was the popular thing to do, you know? We opened up businesses because we really loved the beauty and barbering industry. There was no social media. That's how come I know it was passion. And not to say that these people now aren't as passionate. I'm saying if you are, everybody got something they can teach somebody else. Can some, because accountability is just not one part party. It's multiple parties helping that person be accountable. Account accountability is two, three, four people helping another person be accountable. You know, like people always say, well, be accountable, be accountable. What well, says help me, help me? Because that's what it is. Um, I'll never forget my mother will punish us with making us read books when we were younger, right? And her, her, it was accountability to, I would see it being accountability because she didn't have to come behind me and say, well, what, what did you read? What did you get out of that book? She was holding me accountable. That's what accountability is. Like we think when people say that word accountability is just too loosely used. Just hold yourself accountable. How could you help me be accountable? You know, if you know something that you feel like I need, then since I need you to help me, like leaders, I hear leaders say, she's not, she, I wish she could speed up and work faster. Well, have you taken time out to teach her a systematic way of doing that? Have you taken time out to show her how to execute a proper shampoo style in 45 minutes or a proper blowout in an hour or a balayage or highlights or whatever you feel like she's lacking in? When was the last time you took time out your busy day to show her, to implement that? You get what I'm saying? And that's what we lack in leadership. Um, I believe at, we take the leadership role and don't understand the job description of the leadership role. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're, a, if you call yourself a leader and you, and you're, nobody's following you, you just somebody taking a walk. That's all you are. You are not a leader. Leaders inspire, leaders ignite. Leaders, I'm talking about put a fire under your pot. That's what leaders do. Leaders don't drown people out. Leaders don't dim lights. Leaders don't talk down. That's not leaders. And like, I want us to get back to the core of leadership. And when I say the core of leadership, I mean the essence within you, the, the, that moment you thought to open up a business, right? Get back to that. Because I think if we can live there, we'll become better leaders. That, that moment you say, I'm going to open up my business, right? What was you feeling at that moment? Not the leader that's been hurt by the industry or the leader that's been burnt by clients, not that leader. Always stay focused at that leader that said that very moment. How did you feel at that moment when you wanted to open up your business? If we can live there and stay there, that would take us so much farther than the leader that's been hurt by the beauty industry or the barbering industry or the leader that's been hurt by her clients and the leader that's been hurt by staff members. Um, and, and, and I believe that they're hurting because 
they don't have systems in place, right? Because systems solve a lot of things and they don't have vision in place. I'm big on, if somebody leaves my business, I bless them. And the reason why I do is because I feel like my business is a stepping stone. You know what I'm saying? For me to have learned whatever I needed to learn from them and whatever they needed to learn from me, I bless them. And that's what we need to understand too. If you're doing what you're supposed to do as a business owner, you're never hurt when people leave your business. You're never, never, and I literally mean never. I mean, matter of fact, I want us to start becoming the leaders to help that person. Like, sis, what you need me to help you do? You need me to, you know, send you a CSV file of your clients? Do you need for me to make sure that your clients know where you're going? You know, do you need help with marketing? Like, do you need me to come over to help you with your aesthetics? Like, what's wrong with us? <laughs> That's bold. That is really bold. And I, it's very uncommon. And, you know, it goes back to what you were saying, how this is the problem that we're having is these leaders are feeling threatened by the talent and the potential that their staff has, you know, and the opportunities that these salons are giving the staff. I'm sure it wasn't like an overnight flip the switch. My mindset, my leadership right. is, is in place. Like, did you go through some painful experiences before the light bulb came on, came on? Yes. I did. I had a client. Her name was Carla Purnell. I'll never forget her. She had came to me. She would show up every Saturday at six o'clock, right? She had a six o'clock appointment. She would show up every Saturday at six o'clock. So I will pull up about 5.55. She will already be there. She will have coffee for her, tea for me, and donuts for both of us. Every Saturday, like clockwork, she would be my first client. And it was never a time where I was there before her. She was always there before me. This one Saturday was odd. She would usually get out the car and greet me with, happy Saturday, angel. Coffee, tea, donuts in hand. This Saturday, as I opened up the shop, she stayed in the car. Once I opened the line up, turned on all the lights, got the music set, she comes in. Was so odd to me and no coffee no tea no donuts and I was like wow you know I'm so used to her bringing coffee tea and donuts she no happy Saturday angel so I said good morning Miss Carla how are you fine very short never been like that in all the years I've been doing Carla's hair she's sitting in a chair and I proceed to do her hair and she's like you don't notice anything different and I'm like yeah, I do. Is everything okay? She was like, so you don't notice that I don't have coffee and tea and donuts. I say, yeah, I do notice, but I wasn't going to say anything. And she was like, yeah, because you don't have any right to. And I was like, is everything okay, Carla? She was like, do you notice that I show up every Saturday before you? She said, I come with coffee and donuts and tea every Saturday for you. She said, not one time have you showed up before me and brought me coffee, tea, or donuts. And I was thinking like, well, I thought that's what you like to do. She said, you're a business owner. She said, I'm a client. Don't that tell you something? And she was exemplifying how she wanted to be treated. And I missed it. I'm gonna say that again. She was exemplifying how she wanted to be treated and I missed it. A lot of times as leaders, we miss these subtle signs until they blow up in our faces. 
And Miss Carla will be at be at the salon before time because before time was on time. On time was late. So now I need to get in the shop, shuffle around for 10 minutes before I can start her hair because I got to turn the lights on. I got to make sure the music is right. I got to do the towels. I got to do all this and that. She said, here, you showed up before time to set that up for me. I you wouldn't have to waste 10 to 15 minutes on setting up before you start my hair. Like she ran me down a list of things to do as to treat her, she, how she wanted to be treated. She was showing me and I missed it. Another incident too um, was with a coworker. Um, I was having a real hard time in my life where I was, I was showing up for work late constantly, constantly. No excuses because you shouldn't schedule people if you're gonna show up for if you're gonna show up late. And I was showing up late constantly, constantly. And then I, I stopped showing up late and would show up on time. And then I noticed because I was showing up on time, she was showing up late for her clients. And after four times I said to her in front of a salon full of people, and I should have waited, but I was, I had headed up to here with her. Mind you, I had been showing up late and never thought about it. The fourth time she comes in the shop, she's late. She got all these clients waiting on her. And I says to her, Denise, you are late. Denise said, looked me straight in my eye and said, you be late too. And, and proceeded to do her clients. And, we, <laughs> and she, when she said that to me, did I have a response? No, I accepted the, the responsibility of a owner that showed up the way I did. And my staff members were showing up exactly how I was showing up. A lot of times we wanna hold people accountable for something that we won't even do ourselves. So it's like, if you, you want to be, if you want your business to be, be the business you want it to be, you have to be that business first. Like people only treat your business the way you treat your business. And that's what Carla was telling me. That's what Denise was telling me. They both showed me that I, they were a mirror of my business. They showed me that. And with that being said is I said, never again would that happen. Now, Charlie's Angels Beauty Bar, um, fast forward, Charlie's Angels Beauty Bar, we serve drinks, we serve um, snacks. We even have a continental breakfast on Saturdays now. So now when a client comes in, we ask them, would you like your, would you like a water? And if they say yes, would you like it room temperature or cold? Would you like tea? Would you like coffee? Would you like a muffin? Would you like that room temperature or warmed up? We, now we serve our guests. We are now leadership. We call ourselves um, servant leaders. That's what we call ourselves in our business because we are leaders that serve and we know who to serve. We serve each other and we serve our guests. That's what we do now. And that was all birth out of all those lessons. A lot of times I think we're not paying attention to our lessons. <laughs> like, and when you don't pay attention to your lessons, guess what? They repeat themselves. <laughs> it's less like school. Um, the teacher cannot grade you on a curriculum that she has not put together. And that's what we do as leaders. We don't create a curriculum for our staff members. We don't create a curriculum for our clients. And then they treat us any old kind of way. Then we try to grade them. Mm, no, you both get an F. Cause they, you haven't created a curriculum for neither the client or the staff members. So you're trying to grade them on a curriculum that was never created. And I don't do that. I created this systematic way of treating my guests 
a systematic way of treating each other and we're being graded on that. And, and I live within that parameters and it's sewn into the very fiber of my business. Mm. That's what we should all do. I love that you're saying, you know, pay attention to those lessons. Otherwise those lessons will keep on repeating themselves. You know, it's like you, this is how you grow. This is how you get out of your own way and out of your comfort zones is by taking those lessons and doing something positive with it. And that's incredible. And, and you really be observant. Again, you've been so observant throughout your career of these people are mirroring how I'm treating my business and how I value my business. And until I change, until I behave differently and show people how I want us to treat each other, right. nothing's going to change. That's right. That's right. And I don't pay favoritism and I don't have selective pricing. And a, and a lot of leaders, they play favoritism and they have selective pricing. And what selective pricing is, if a client's been coming to you for years, you got one price for her and you got another price for clients that's just coming to you. Business is business. And it's, it's funny because that same client been going to her job for years and she, they don't pay her selective hourly rates. <laughs> you know, we have to train our clients how to treat our businesses too. Just like how we have to train our staff members how to treat our business. Like I train my clients how to treat my business. I don't have selective pricing or loyalty pricing for the fact of every year my lease goes up, right? Like I'll be upside down in my business if I hit selective pricing. Everything I do in my business is based on my overhead. I refuse to be upside down in my business because somebody's been coming to me for 20 years. Guess what? Thank you. I'm going to give you the best service every time you come. <laughs> I'm going to use professional products every time you come. And I'm going to respect your time every time you come. But every time I raise my prices, you're going to pay that price. If you've been coming to me two years, 20 years, or two days, it doesn't matter. We as leaders have to exemplify that. So the people that's watching us, they don't, they, they're, believe you me, they're watching you when they think, when you think they're not watching you, somebody's watching, watching you. So like, I'm very careful what I say in my business, what I do in my business, how I show up. Like we wear all black. The only day we are able to dress down is Saturday. And even when you dress down on Saturday, we all wear the same Charlie's Angels t-shirt and we wear a pair of jeans or slacks, you still, have a, you still have to have standards. We have a standard greeting. We have a standard email. We have a standard voicemail. We have a standard um, for everything that's done in our business, there are standards created. And the problem is, is nobody knows your standards. You're not teaching them because you don't even know them. Mm. Guys, you have to implement standards. If you have a culture, then what, what do you wanna see that culture look like, right? So like our business is very, is I'm talking about we enjoy each other as a very loud salon. And when I say loud, I mean colorful, energetic. When you come into the business, no matter what you got going on in your life, you got to leave it outside that door. That's just something that we, we vowed to each other. And at the end of the day, if you got something going on, when the shop is closing and we're cleaning up, you can speak on it so we can all hold and hug and love on each other. But it's not for the client. That client is coming in, they need to relax. Whatever you got going on, you got to put it on the back burner. And we have been doing that for several years and it's been working. 
Because at the end of the day, we if we are going through something or growing through something, we use that time to embrace each other and pour into each other. That's not a conversation that should be had on a salon floor. Mm, that is so good. You know, there's definitely, you know, you, you said a few things that really stand out. And it's like, what where's this disconnect when it comes to a stylist or a salon owner knowing their worth? Um, when it comes to either discounting their prices or just not adding as much value as they should be. And also to setting boundaries, setting boundaries with your staff and your, your staff with the clients and the staff with each other. You know, I think that we can get into big trouble and there's going to be a lot of lessons down the road if we don't um, really evaluate that and establish of uh, the worth and the boundaries in our business. Right. So boundaries should be set up from the gate because it's hard to set boundaries up in fourth quarter, you know, because if you try to set boundaries up in fourth quarter, you might as well rebuild your entire book. You have to set boundaries up from the gate. So you have to understand thyself, you know, and I tell people like, if you don't understand thyself, that means you'll let anybody run over you or run through you. Like for myself, I'm the type of leader that um, I, I cannot build people from the ground up. I'm not that type of leader, right? I know that. So if you're coming out of beauty school or barber school, you have to go through somebody else first before you get to me. I'm the leader that can build you up if you have a foundation and I can frame you out and put you up, put some drywall on you. I'm that leader. Like you have to know thyself. Now, if I bring somebody in from school, I frustrate myself. You get what I'm saying? I know thyself. So know Know what type of leader you are first before you start taking on clients and before you start taking on um, staff members. Know what type of person you are, what you can tolerate. Because a lot of times we just want to feel chairs and then now you're frustrated. And a lot of times if you're taking clients and you're building, um, you'll take anybody, you know. One thing for Sean too for certain is the universe is abundant. It's, it, it stays pregnant, people. And when I say that, I mean, that not one time have I worried about lack. Never punch the time clock. Always work from behind the chair. I have four children that was raised on the beauty and barbering industry. Never punched a time clock. Been through three recessions. And I'm going to tell you why. Because even through those recessions, I knew that I was going to be taken care of. That the industry does not lack. Right? And people love to look beautiful no matter what going on in your life you know so set boundaries from the gate and set boundaries when you know thyself and healthy boundaries guys healthy boundaries take time off when you need to take mental breaks I take spiritual breaks I take mental breaks whenever I need to take a break I take a break that's why it's called break or you will break <laughs> and when it comes to establishing your clientele I do what I call on my book, if you go to my online book and you will see it say, meet and greet forward slash new client consultation. What that means is I want you to meet me and greet me and I want to meet you and greet you. So I know whether or not I want you in my chair as a client, okay? And I do a thorough client consultation. I talk to you about your lifestyle. I talk to you about other experiences you had with other stylists. What do you, what's, and I ask questions like, when was the last time you loved your hair? 
And then if they rattle off a lot of gossiping, if they talk about other people, at that moment, you're, you don't align with me. That's not where I am. So I, at that moment, I'll let them know whether or not I'm going to book them or, you know, or let me check my book and I'll get back to you right away. That's me letting them know you're not, my, you're not for me. And then too, I always take, um, they pay for that, that consultation. That's how come the consultation is so thorough. So it, even if you don't want to take them, make sure you do a thorough plan consultation. So they feel like you didn't take their money if they don't align with your spirit. So on your online booking site, put meet, greet, or new client consultation, meet and greet. Or you can just put new client consultation. That gives you the opportunity, like I said. So say for instance, that client don't work for you, but somebody in your salon matches that energy. Send them to them. Like send them, don't, every client is not meant for your chair. It might be meant for the chair next to you or the chair down the street. I refer people outside my business as well because I'm okay with giving to other businesses. <laughs> we gotta get better with that, guys. Stop looking at people as your competitors. Look at, them, look at them as your coworkers that work in other salons. That's how I look at everybody. You guys are not competing against me because I am an individual. I'm unique. You're unique. You're an individual. Nobody has your identity. And when I said it, I mean, you're so unique that you went to your school, you graduated when you graduated, your expertise, your continued education, what you know, what you see, where you've been, what you've heard, baby. You, you just, when I say all that got something to do with your work, like that's how come I don't compare my prices to other people's. You know why? Because they're not me. They haven't been where I've been. They haven't seen what I've seen. You get what I'm saying? So when, when people tell you to check your competitors, how sway do I check my competitors? When the, my, the person that might be, you think you're a competitor, might don't even know business. <laughs> what am I checking with her for or him? They don't even know business. So be careful, you guys, when people tell you to do those type of things. I say, check thyself. What are you worth? What do you bring to the table? If you feel like your cutting style should be $150, then make it $150 and put it out there and believe in it because that's what I believe in. Like if I, any price that I put out there for my business and for the people that's in my business, because I got girls that's only been doing hair four and five years that's charging my prices for their services because they're under my brand. That's what we supposed to do. We supposed to build a brand so sustainable that it can not only sustain our family, but the families that come into our business. Come on guys. You know what I'm saying? So when you know thy worth, you know thyself. When you don't, when you don't know your worth, you don't know yourself. So know what type of leader you are. Don't get frustrated when you put the wrong people in place because you're not that type of leader. Don't get frustrated when you book the wrong client because you didn't do your meet and greet, your new client consultation first. Don't be frustrated when your business isn't building because you didn't create a vision and put systems in place. Um, don't be frustrated because you didn't set boundaries from the gate. So there's so many lessons, guys. We're just not paying attention to them or we're not giving them the energy that they deserve because every lesson deserves some energy. You have to really sit back and say, what role did I play and <laughs> what I'm going to do different the next time? Because <laughs> if this thing come again, because guess what? 
when those people that leave your business that you didn't like, guess what? They're coming back in a different person. You got to be able to recognize that though. If you didn't take time out to recognize that because you're so frustrated that you missed the opportunity to learn a lesson and a blessing that you can't even recognize when it come again. So I'm gonna stop talking because I can keep talking, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I, I really, Angel, I cannot wait to re-listen to this. It's, I mean, your your mindset and, and the experiences and lessons that you have learned has really cultivated this characteristic that is just really leaving a legacy to our industry. And you're just such a blessing to our industry and to, um, to be able to talk to you about all of this is just incredible. You know, I want to make sure that all of our listeners, if they want to know more about you and get in touch with you and get coaching from you, I know that you have a mentorship program out right now. And um, I'd love for you to share about about what that is and, and, and uh, what, who, who is that going to be for and what they can learn from that? Okay, so the mentorship is an eight-week course that I take mentees through. And, it's, and I call them mentees and mentor and the mentorship program is because um, at the end of the day, we all have to seek wise counsel. And I created this because I've been licensed since 1988. I have over 30 years of experience, guys. So not just experience, but lessons. And I bundled it all up. I created a package of, of eight weeks where I, I walk you through retail training. I walk you through team salon meeting training. I walk you through pricing. I walk you through creating a vision for your business, getting clear. Um, I walk you through understanding um, the type of clients, online booking, your website, um, all your customer touch points, social media, marketing. Um, we touch a little bit on everything, right? And after the course, after the, after the eight weeks, you're clear on exactly where you want to be in your business, where you are right now in your business, and where you're growing. Not where you're going, but where you're growing in eight weeks. You're going to figure that out. And it's like a eight week course where I literally take you by the hand and walk you through it. And on in the eight week course, it's going to be a lot of laughter. It's going to be a lot of um, questions and it's going to be a lot of tears because every mentorship program I grow, I, we have, I have taught, they cry. And the reason why people cry is because a lot of things that I'm saying, they want to do. They just didn't know how to. And now that they, they're equipped with the proper tools and verbiage, because a lot of times we don't even know how to have these necessary difficult conversations with our team, right? So I even equip them with the verbiage. Um, and I'm going to leave you guys with this too. Um, if you're not having team and salon meetings, you're doing your business is a disservice. Guys, you, in order for any business to grow, you have to have what they call a meeting of the mind. And that's one of the key points that I, I touch on in the eight-week course is keeping people on the same page as you, as you grow, as the business grow, as we all grow, right? And then I have an eight-week trichology course because I am a licensed holistic uh, hair practitioner and a certified trichologist where I teach an eight-week course 
accredited course, the only accredited eight-week course online is you can is located at angelrobinsonteaches.com. That's angelrobinsonteaches.com. And if any of you guys want to take the mentorship program, you can reach me at info at angelrobinsonteaches.com. That's info at angelrobinsonteaches.com to be enrolled in the mentorship program. And it's that simple. That simple. Yeah. And if anybody's interested in a franchise, I, we, we didn't touch a lot on that, but I'm also a co-owner of No Grease Barbershop franchise, right? And if you're interested in becoming a franchisee, you can go to nogrease.com. That's nogrease.com. That's simple. Nogrease.com. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angel, for your wealth of knowledge, your presence of just sharing all of the amazing things that you're doing in our industry and um, just giving back to the industry. And we thank you so much. You guys make sure to check out Angel Robinson. Uh, teaches.com if you guys are interested in her mentorship her trichology uh, course and virtual cutting class and then if you're interested in her franchising business nogrease.com yes nogrease.com I want to leave you guys with this though Um, don't forget um, like at no grease we develop people who develop families that develop communities and it all starts with a haircut you guys could do the same Mic drop. (laughs) You're incredible. Thank you so much, Angel. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey friends, thanks for being a part of the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe. And if you love this podcast, I would so appreciate to get a review from you. And there's more ways that we can connect as well. Send me a voice message and tell me where you're at in your business and how I can help you through this podcast. Thanks so much for being a part of this. And until next time, you can be the game changer.